Hi, I'm Marco Contreras. And I'm Julie Contreras. When we started attending WCPC six years ago, we wanted to find ways that we could use our skills to serve the church. And one of the first ways when I first arrived to the church was um, being a musician, I wanted to see if there was a way to serve on the worship team. Um, and um, since then, uh, at the time, there was a, a need for more drummers. So I've been blessed to being able to be part of the team for um, since just about the beginning. Um, but part of my other gifts have been uh, in graphic design. So, and I also wanted to see if there was a way to um, contribute to any affiliate programs or um, extensions of the church. So um, I was very uh, fortunate to be able to help with the uh, preschool and also arm of care. And I'm also a graphic designer. So when I found out that the church was doing some rebranding, um, I worked with Bart and the staff to create a new logo for the church. And that was really fun. I really enjoyed that. Um, and Marco and I have also been serving as community group leaders for the past, I think, five years? Yeah, five yeah, years. Five yeah. years. So we really love being able to use our creativity and the skills that God has given us to serve the church um, and moving it forward. And now a reading from God's word. These are the passages from Ephesians. Ephesians 1, 1 through 3. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, to God's holy people in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And it and this is not from yourself, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast, for we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which people prepared in advance, which he which God has prepared in advance for us to do. Ephesians four, seven through thirteen. But to each one of us grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. What does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. So Christ gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Ephesians 3, 20 through 21. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever, amen. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, thank you, uh, Marco and Julie, and welcome everyone. I'm Bart Garrett, one of the pastors here at WCPC. And uh, particularly if you're new, we're delighted to have you in our midst. And we say most every week, some of you are here exploring Christian faith. Maybe you're still doing that online with us, or maybe you've come with a friend. And I want to especially welcome you and just thank you for taking the risk to explore Christian faith in the context of our church. And I have to offer a little bit of an explainer to you. Uh, we're in this series, Today is the Last Day, our stewardship series, which we do every year. And this is a moment where we acknowledge that uh, we don't own any Anything, but God owns everything, and we're called to steward our time and our talent and treasure. And so if you didn't recognize that familiar hymn, I Surrender All, which Ryan put to the ukulele, uh, it's this notion that we're not... Um, 
We haven't arrived yet. So uh, yes, that is the deep impulse, the, the fundamental truth for a Christian because God has given so much to us, we want to surrender our whole selves to God. But when we surrender some, this is not me chastising you and peeling my finger. Instead, this is me saying, this is a journey. This is a process. Following Jesus, we give, we give, we give, we learn, we learn, we learn. And today we turn our attention after talking about our time and our treasure to our talent. And I want to just echo what Ryan said. Uh, so many people use their talents to make these speakers happen. There was brains and brawn involved. I'll let you sort of figure out which one of those you uh, were part of, but some of you were building uh, ramps and lifting heavy things, and others of you were uh, sound engineering. Even uh, Andy Nagley's doing so right now. So we're just incredibly grateful that so many people poured their talent into this moment to get us these new speakers. But as we talk about talent, I have a confession to make. Um, I, when I watch America's Got Talent, when I watch American Idol, I tend to enjoy the early episodes where they're weeding out people. That's my favorite part. Once you get to the end in the competition and the vocals are amazing and the performances are stellar, I've been there, I've done that. What I love is folks who think they are extremely talented, but they're not. They, they captivate me the most. It's super cringy, and yet I cannot look away, and this is a confession. I genuinely feel bad about this. It probably says something is wrong inside of me and God's working on it, but for now, give me a tone-deaf, totally clueless contestant. That's what I enjoy. But in this room, I'm going to imagine something a little bit different. Uh, I'm going to suggest maybe 70 percent of you might say something like, well, I'm not particularly talented in anything. And I would say, uh, don't sell yourself short. You may not be especially talented, but you are particularly talented, and we're going to say more about that. But there's probably another 10 percent of you that probably know you're talented in a couple ways, and you're quite humble about it. And there's probably another 10 percent of you that know you're talented in a couple ways, and you love turning the conversation in that direction so you can let everyone else know. And then there's probably 10% of you, um, you think you're talented in a couple of ways, and you really are not. And you know who you are. Actually, you don't know who you are, right? <laughs> so if I were titling this talk, I wouldn't entitle it America's Got Talent, but probably The Anatomy of Talent. And even as I say that, some of you might already be thinking, oh, well, that sounds a little bit boring. But I really think I have the talent of making boring things interesting. Or at least I think I do. We'll see. Um, but I want to just build it by way of a slide here. And we'll refer to this a couple times throughout the message today. But the anatomy of talent, um, I'm thinking about it in four ways. The talent, the role, the means, and the end. Or four questions that we want to ask this morning. What do you do? What is your talent? Where do you do it? That's your role. How do you do it? That's the means or the motivation. And then why do you do it? That's the end, and we'll get to those other columns as we go, and we'll refer to this a, a couple times. But firstly, to this notion of talent. What is it? Well, if you looked it up in a dictionary, you'd find something like this. Talent is the natural ability to be good at something. Sounds like a great working definition. But here's the thing. Natural ability to be good at something will only take you so far, won't it? 
Example, there's this uh, basketball player, um, Curry, uh, Steph Curry. Have you heard of him? Um, if I had to guess, I would say there are probably 10,000 people playing on outdoor courts all over the country right now who are as, if not more talented, than Steph Curry. But what are the ingredients of curry? Coriander, turmeric, a, da- a dash of love. No, see what I did there. Uh, no, talent, work ethic, and opportunity. Curry has this natural ability, insane coordination, depth, perception, peripheral vision. He also has an intense work ethic, went way past 10,000 hours, 20,000 hours perfecting his craft and opportunity. His dad played in the NBA, so he was given some opportunities along the way to show his talent. And Steph Curry would also say there's another ingredient, and I would say this as well, Faith in God actually adds this component. It's not so much a natural ability as it is a supernatural ability because we believe in a God who transcends and creates us in a supernatural way. And we learn right here in Paul's letter to the Ephesians that this God gives us good and particular gifts or talents. So think about that musician or that athlete or that leader or that entrepreneur. Maybe you would say of that person, they are otherworldly. And there's a sense in which that is true. As Paul is writing this letter to the church in Ephesus in chapter 4, and you heard Marco and Julie read it, verses 7 and 8, he writes, To each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. And he goes on to say in verse 8 that God gave us grace good gifts. And here's what's so cool. If we had time, we could back up to the beginning of chapter 4 where Paul is talking all about unity. One faith, one Lord, one baptism. We are, all of us, unified. And then Paul changes from the all of us in verse 7 of 8 to each of us. It's a beautiful moment. Unity through diversity. Not lockstep uniformity, but this brilliant diversity But here's a cultural malady that plays out today. You are so special. You are so unique. See, when I was growing up, and now everyone under 25 is rolling their eyes, but in preschool we would sing the song, I'm a little teapot, short and stout. But see, that's bad self-talk. You are unique. You are unlike anyone who has ever existed. Well, there's a corrective to this cultural malady today, and it's not, you ain't nothing special. It's Ephesians 2.10. Actually, you are God's workmanship, or God's masterpiece, or God's work of art, like a poem, or a sculpture, or a musical score. You have a particular talent that has been gifted to you. So, what do you do? How do you find it? Well, I would suggest, if you don't know it, some basic things. Like one, pray about it. Ask God what, you, what this special ability might be. Two, discern. Think back in your own experience to people around you. What are they saying about you? Oh, you're so, or she's this, or he's that. Where's the overlap? What might they be seeing about how God has designed you in particular? And then, as Steph Curry did, work at it. See, otherwise, back to the slide, 
there's no diligence. You're just going to kind of burn out, right? You train that talent towards a particular service, which leads us to the second aspect of the anatomy of talent, the role, or to ask the question, where do you do it? Where do you exercise this talent? Well, this passage in our entire stewardship series, really, is mostly about leveraging talents in the church. But I'm also super sensitive to this as a pastor. Um, Many of you have questions about your calling, your vocation. And I've said this before. If I were sitting down with you over coffee and you're saying, how do I know where I'm called? What am I called to? I would probably pull out a napkin and I would draw four circles with overlap in the middle, and on one of those circles I would write family, and on one of those circles I would write friends, and on another one of those circles I would write career, and I would say, these are all a big part of your calling. This is where you exercise your talent. But if I didn't write on that fourth circle, church, without the church, if, if the trajectory of the church is a forever life together with God and with one another, If I didn't write church as a part of your calling, then there would be no ultimate direction for the other roles in the other three spheres, right? Family, friends, career. Because church brings meaning and perspective. That's why part of the role, part of where we exercise our talent is in the church. And so then Paul goes on and he starts teaching firstly about pastors but then about congregants. So uh, you've heard about maybe some of you this five-fold office in the church. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, as Paul mentions right here. Apostles were witnesses to the resurrection, and prophets spoke in the name of the Lord. They were guiding the church in the time before the New Testament was written. I would say, and this is a, a, a teaching we don't have time for right here, but I'm happy to talk about it later, I would say that these first two are kind of bracketed out as particular foundational roles in the early church. And I'll go to other places like 1 Corinthians 12 and Ephesians 2.20, a little bit later in this passage. That doesn't mean that some people don't have an affinity towards being apostolic or prophetic, but it does mean I wouldn't dole out those terms like apostle and prophet today. I think it gets us in trouble. (laughs) But the other three roles, evangelists, connecting people in our watching world to a, to a crucified and risen Jesus. Pastors looking after and caring for those in God's flock. Teachers who are developing and training people in this way of Jesus. These are roles that, that pastors play today. And let me say, I feel honored and humbled, and I mean this sincerely, to be the pastor at WCPC. I've been here a couple years now, two and a half, and I felt uh, deeply loved and deeply respected. So what I'm saying here is less about me and more about what the anti-institutional bent towards the church is doing to pastors today. It's breaking them. It's breaking them. Pastors are, are to this or not enough that. They remind me too much of my father or too much like my older brother or too much like my pesky little, little sister. But there are pastors who pray and study and teach and serve and love. And they are, Paul says, to be respected. Now we get to the role of the congregant. Chapter 4, verse 12 these pastors exist to equip the people, that's you, for works of service. It's where we get the expression, every single member in a church is a 
minister. I've heard about a, an Episcopal church that, that puts this on their worship folder every week. If you were to worship in this church, you'd turn to the back and it would say the rector or the pastor is so-and-so and the associate rector is such-and-such. In the ministers, it says the entire congregation. Every member, a minister. So, so where do you exercise your talents? Well, in our church, we want to minister not just to you, but through you. Otherwise, back to the slide, otherwise you might not have direction for your vocation and your calling. Which leads me to the third aspect of this anatomy of talent, the means or the motivation. So how do you do it? Are you feeling guilty yet? Are you not working hard enough? How do you do it? Well, you do it by grace and spirit. It's one of the most beautiful passages in Scripture when Paul says in Ephesians 2, 8, 9, it is by grace we have been saved. We've been rescued through faith. It is a gift, not of ourselves, so that no one can boast. So in Ephesians, so far, Paul has described our rescue, our salvation, in terms of resurrection from the dead, liberation from slavery, and rescue from condemnation, and each of these declares that the work is God's work. Dead people cannot bring themselves to life again. Captive or condemned people cannot free themselves. But now Paul puts the matter beyond even the slightest shadow of a doubt. Did you catch it? The rescue of God is through creation and recreation. And creation language is nonsense unless there is a creator. In fact, self-creation is a patent contradiction in terms. So I'm a Swifty. I'm a huge Taylor Swift fan. Uh, my daughters love Taylor Swift. I love Taylor Swift. I think she's an amazing songwriter. Uh, she has a new album out, and one of the songs on that album, Anti-Hero, which is quickly becoming one of uh, my favorite songs she's performed, in that song, she writes these words. She says, it's me, hi, I'm the problem. It's me, I will stare directly at the sun, but never in the mirror. I should not be left to my own devices. They come with prices and vices. I end up in crisis. And then she goes on to say in that song, I'm a monster on the hill, too big to hang out, slowly lurching toward your favorite city which is her way of describing, here she is just going city after city, concert after concert, until Ticketmaster screwed all that up this week, but that's another sermon, I suppose. But what she's contending with is, I've built this massive identity and persona, and if I built it only in my own effort, I can't even look in the mirror, because I'm the problem. It's a heart's cry, isn't it? What do you do when you can't do it on your own? Or worse, what do you do when you tried to do it on your own and you screwed it all up? Well, the gospel teaches us that we have been created by God with worth and value and beauty, but when we broke ourselves, when we screwed it all up, are we discarded or are we recreated? Makoto Fujimura was an artist that we had here a couple years back, and he talks about this amazing uh, Japanese art form called kintsugi, and there's an example of this here. 
this is a bowl that was beautiful and valuable and worth something, but then it hit the ground and broke. And what do we do with bowls like that? Well, typically we discard them. We throw them away. But Kintsugi is taking gold lacquer and filling in those broken spaces, creating something that is even more beautiful, more precious, and more valuable than it was before. That's the grace of God in Christ. God uses everything in your life in the recreation that comes through grace and by the Spirit. So that's what happens in verse 10. Uh, Though we're not rescued by good works, nothing you can do to earn God's rescue, we are rescued for good works. And the four good works is where the Holy Spirit comes in. In chapter 4, in the second reading, and just so you know, Paul is quoting uh, Psalm 68, and there's a lot of confusion around how this psalm gets quoted here. Did God receive the gifts, or did God give the gifts? Did God ascend? Did God descend? Did God do both? And um, what is this all about? Well, suffice it to say, in, in first century Judaism, Jews would have understood Psalm 68 as being all about Moses. After the Exodus, when the Egyptians were defeated and the Israelites were rescued from slavery, what did Moses do? He went up and ascended on Mount Sinai. He came down with the law, the tablets of stone. So Paul sees this ascension of Jesus as being like that of Moses. So after the new Exodus, after we are liberated by Jesus crucifixion and resurrection, what does Jesus do? He ascends up into the heavenly realms to reign and to rule as Lord, but instead of coming down with the law like Moses, Jesus returns in the person and work of the Holy Spirit through whom different gifts are showered all upon the church. So let that sink in for just a second. For those of you who might be assessing if you really got talent The first place to start is to acknowledge what Paul said to the church in Corinth in 1 Corinthians 3.16. Do you not know that you yourself, you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit lives inside of you? What? I mean, we're stuck on whether or not we have the gift of witness or prayer or administration or mercy And we sometimes forget that God Almighty who created Alpha Centauri by the Spirit lives inside of us. So back to the slide. The means, the motivation, how do we do it? How do we exercise our talent? Well, through grace and by Spirit. Otherwise, there's no dependence upon God. There's no devotion to God. So, to the last question. To what end? Why are we doing this stuff? Well, Paul says it's to bring up brothers and sisters to maturity and to fullness in Christ. So verse 12, talent is given as Christ apportioned it for the sake of building others up into the maturity in Christ. The main reason, so if you miss everything else, catch this, the main reason people have particular talents and special roles is so that every single Christian and the church as a whole may be equipped for works of service. Make no mistake, every talent and role, evangelist, pastor, teacher, all the others, every one of them is there so every Christian can serve the end of building up the whole body 
until we attain the measure of the fullness of Jesus. Otherwise, there is no deference to anyone but yourself. And could I suggest, with compassion and not with judgment, a self-life has a shelf life. Ice cream, Netflix, bourbon, Hulu, popcorn, Instagram, rinse, repeat. Life gets really small really quickly. A self-life has a shelf life. So in conclusion, how do we bring all this home? Well, I want to offer a public service announcement on talent. Two things very quickly. One of them, talent for the later life. Second, talent for this week, Thanksgiving. Okay, talent for later life, talent for this week. So talent for later life. I I tried to put myself in my shoes this week as I was thinking about this teaching Uh, I tried to put myself in the shoes of someone who's in their 50s, 60s, 70s, and 80s, who may be hearing this and who may be saying something like, well, I'm past my prime. I have only a little bit of talent left in these bones. In fact, this sermon is for the whippersnappers. Let me challenge that for one second. I'm reading this this great book by Arthur Brooks entitled From Strength to Strength. And it's a, it's a, a book about moving from the first journey of life to the second journey of life. And he talks about fluid intelligence versus crystallized intelligence. And here's what he means. He says, you know, imagine your brain as a large library. So as you get older, you go to the librarian and you ask him to pull out the data or the research. He takes a full minute to stand up. He stops for coffee. He talks to an old friend in the periodicals. Then he forgets what he's doing in the first place. So we get this with name recall, like I'm already beginning to experience this. I'm using all the techniques like, well, here she comes. Well, there he goes, you know. But go back to the library before you get hung up on that. There's a second image here. Rather than regret how slow your mental librarian has become, marvel at the size of the book collection. Did you know your vocabulary grows for your entire life? It doesn't shrink. You're learning new words every day. So Cicero believed three things about older age. One, it's for the service of other people. Two, the greatest gift that comes later in life is wisdom. And three, the natural talent at this point is counsel. Mentoring, advising, teaching. So you're using your talent by serving this church and sharing your wisdom. We want it. Mentor us. Develop us. Let me as your pastor create ways to make that possible. And then secondly, let me just offer in closing um, a talent for this week. And this is free. I'm not charging you for this one at all. This is the talent of redirection for the sake of depoliticization and family sanity. This is a Jedi-level talent, okay? So it's Thanksgiving, you're going to be eating the sweet potato casserole your great aunt made or your daughter-in-law prepared, and they're going to say that they saw the recipe on Fox News or on MSNBC, and you're going to wonder, do I eat the Republican sweet potatoes? Do I eat the Democratic sweet potatoes? Here's the talent. Just say, lovely, I'd love to get the recipe. Or when Uncle Fred or son-in-law Colby says, good riddance Pelosi, or, the a- or AOC's got some great ideas about the future. Can you exercise this talent to say, we have so much to be thankful for. <laughs> That's free. 
So what is your supernatural gift leveraged right here in this church through grace and by the Spirit to bless your brothers and sisters? That's the question. Let's pray. God, would you allow us to steward all of who we are in response to all of who you are? Uh, It's a journey. We're not there yet. We have much to learn. Uh, We have ways to grow. But would we see uh, in our time and talent and treasure an opportunity to be obedient and faithful to you and your work uh, so that others around us would be blessed by your love and good deeds. It's in the name of the Father, Son, and Spirit we pray. Amen.